I, uh, I don't know. I just want to not hurt after work. <laughs> basically, that's basically the place that I'm living in right now. Well, good luck with that. Mm-hmm. You ready to roll? Uh, yeah. Let's let's light this keg. Okay. Yeah. Candle or drink this keg? Light the candle. I don't know where this is going. <laughs> I'm just gonna let you spin on that one for a little while. Mm. Hey, what's up, Blazer fans? Welcome to the Blazer's Edge podcast. I am Tara Bowen Biggs, here as always with Blazer's outsider, Danny Meringue. Danny, well, hi, how Tara. are you doing tonight? Well, I'm good. I'm literally running home after the games, right after the Nuggets game to... Uh, you literally to, uh, ran home? Like you left your car behind and ran all the way yeah, from no, that's, the that's definitely not true. studio yeah. to your home? Yeah, the Because that's what literally from- means. Yeah, yeah. You know what? I'm going to literally hang up here in a second. <laughs> Ooh, <laughs> um, tough guy. Yeah, no, I uh, I would have been home sooner, but apparently Oregonians don't know that the fast lane is not the place where you go 10 miles below the speed limit in, especially when there's no traffic. Jerks. But you know Get what? It was an early lane. game. We're recording this on Sunday after the Denver game, so there's a lot mm. of small things to be glad about, and one of the, them is that it was an early game, and we got out of there at a pretty decent hour. It's not like yeah, midnight I'm, right now. Yeah, I'm literally, or normally, literally just getting on air right now. So, this is this so we is have quite fresh nice. Dan right now. Well, fresher, <laughs> fresher. Well, let's get caught up because we haven't had a chance to talk for a while. We've had, <sighs> um, you know, between holidays and power outages and all kinds of things, we haven't even yeah, had a chance to like weather. speak to each other for a couple of weeks. I've missed you, buddy. Mm-hmm. I've missed you too. Well, the thing is, though, is that the Blazers had a pretty business-like and pedestrian week, so we wouldn't have had a ton Mm -hmm. to talk about because they just went out and did what they needed to do, which was awesome. Yeah, that's a nice change of pace, right? Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I I don't mean that to be backhanded compliment-y, but it is. But, yeah, when when our executive producer brought us in last week uh, to prep for this week, he was like, so we've got some milestones. Stotts is going to hit some, and All-Star Game's coming up, and uh, the Blazers are ahead of pace where they were in the past. And I'm like, let's save all of that for next week because nobody's going to care about next week's games because you've got the Knicks, Bulls, and Hornets. And was any of those games interesting? They took care of them, which was yeah. awesome because they struggled with that earlier in the season. You know, no, they no, would go out and get season. a really good like, win against Milwaukee and then they would turn around and lose to, I don't know, pick <laughs> that's, 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 that's the thing it, it's not like earlier in the season that's that's the blazers mo right they have done that like, for for quite a while for at least a decade like this this iteration well, i don't think they're the only the team who probably does that no but it's it's something that's like become their hallmark like it, I, I know it's easy to get jaded as fans on the negative side of things but like there have been things that have just been baffling about this team over the last few years they, and they, it's very very nice i'm i'm, I'm not trying to like poo poo it at all it's been very nice to see them get a quality win against the Rockets after a on, on a back to back after a tough matchup with the Thunder, what was very winnable except for some some poor execution down the stretch, and then just handle business, mm-hmm. make quick work of the Knicks, just mop the Bulls and the Hornets, and then move on for another back to back, which shouldn't be as hard as OKC Houston. You're hoping you get that game at Denver, but. I wasn't surprised to see them drop a road game in Denver, a place where they 
I think their winning percentage in Denver all time is something like 35%. Yeah, they were talking about it on the pregame show, yeah, and it's, it's not good. <laughs> yeah, playing in Denver at mile high. Well, right. I mean, it, it's tough it's to just, play in Denver, period. Yeah. You know, with the altitude, it's just, you know, you're, it you're more tired. Hours. It takes 72 hours to get acclimated to, for I think it's for every mile up that you go. Mm-hmm. So the Blazers tried to do themselves a little bit of a favor. They got into town yesterday. Uh, they left early, earlier in the day. I think they left at like 11 o'clock um, to try to get acclimated. Oh, so uh, they left earlier than usual to try to hang out? Yeah, they, they, they try to do that when anytime they're going cross-country or if they're going to some place like Denver mm-hmm. or Utah where like the altitude can mess with you a little bit. Um, so, yeah, uh, it, it's still it's, – it's difficult. And then you throw in, you know, Jokic, the refs being a little weird with the whistles, and uh, some – questionable late game decision making and you end up what could have been a Blazers win into a Blazers loss. So, but again, it wasn't, wasn't a bad game. Just some, some, some little things just kind of nipping at their heels. They need to clean up kind of going forward. I think against all the teams that I would call like for lack of a better descriptor, good teams, like, you know, I don't want to say anybody's good and bad, but for the teams who had the better records, like OKC, Houston, and Denver, the thing about all of those games was that neither of those opponents looked particularly extraordinary. And I was kind of thinking that we would go, that the Blazers would go into those and just be like, you know, dominated by these teams that were on runs, that were in the middle of like getting their feet back under them or just like running over, you know, teams. And the opponents, I didn't think, looked that great, including Denver, even though they're the first in the um, first in the West. And the Blazers looked good, but they didn't look as good as they could be. So, in a way, I was kind of heartened by that, that, you know, even in the lost OKC, they could have just done a couple of things, played a little bit better, and it would have gone the other way. So, I guess it's kind of one of those weeks where, you probably maybe didn't like it very much because every everything was just kind of like to the mean. Everything was just pretty mediocre. Yeah, but I mean, you, it wasn't it, bad. <laughs> so no, no, no. And that's the thing that. is, is I there were for me it was all right. Let's see what the Blazers can really show here. Nurkic got things done even when he got in foul trouble in a couple games. Um, CJ found a little bit of his groove again. The Blazers were finding kind of like this new style of offense where the ball is moving a little bit better. They're, you know, 25 to 30 assists a game pretty regularly. Um, again, tonight they had 25 assists uh, against the uh, against the Nuggets. I mean, you look at the box scores from tonight. Blazers shoot 40, 46% from the field, 35 from three, 95 from the line. Only turned over nine times. More often than not, it's a win. Problem is the top four guys – for the Blazers and uh, field goal attempts tonight, Dame, CJ, Nurk, Aminu, not a single one of them shot better than 38%. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So their shooting was not great tonight. Yeah. So your volume guys weren't getting it done, but your bench guys, listen to this, Tara, Jake Lehman, five of six, Myers Leonard, three of six, Evan Turner, four of five, Zach Collins, three of four, Seth, two of three, Stouts goes one of three. So everybody, but the, your, your top four guys really got it done tonight. Uh, efficiency-wise, right? Right. Well, so, but the guys who weren't getting it done, do you think it was because they were not getting it done because of the way that they were being played or because it was just one of those nights where they were having trouble hitting? 
Not bad. Nurkic was in well, his own damn foul head. <laughs> well, he was he was in foul trouble, which exacerbated the problem because I thought Nurkic, who started the game, was very good. Once Nurkic got two fouls, he made it kind of like a personal vendetta to try to keep up with Jokic, and he just got in his own way. And I don't think it's going to be a problem going forward outside of playing Jokic. Like I think that's going to be constantly be one of his things. In the past, that's it's worked out for him. But tonight it wasn't really listening. And for anybody who wants to beat Jokic or Nurkic up for Nurkic or for Jokic going off tonight, don't. Uh, if you want to say he got in foul trouble, sure. But most of Jokic's damage tonight didn't come against Nurkic. I mean, most of it came on Aminu. Who listen? I think the Blazers' game plan was let's let Nurkic single cover him, and when they didn't have that, they were left with either Myers or Aminu. Um, and Myers didn't really get a ton of minutes out there against Jokic. And for everybody who wants to throw a double team at Jokic, you go ahead and throw a double team at a guy at a high post who's seven foot tall, incredibly smart, uh, basketball IQ wise, and he's going to cut you apart. And then you throw on the fact he's maybe the five, one of the five best passing big men of all time. So that's why that may get the preemptive, like everybody questioning, why didn't they double him? Because you don't double a big who posts up in the mid to high post who's looking to facilitate the entire time. Are you saying it's more likely and effective to double like a guard like Damon CJ yeah, than you, it is to double, double a big? Because yeah. if you double a big, that just means you have two shorter people jumping for the ball. <laughs> Not just that. They, he can see it coming from where he's out on the okay. floor. Um, and where you're going to double team him from, you're going to open up a three point shooter more than likely, right? Right. And then if you and if you send two people at a guard, it really it blocks their visions. Yes. And the other part of this is is Jokic is not your typical big man who's looking to score every single time. Mm-hmm. He their facilitates. Is, is, I mean, yeah, he had 40 points in the eye. He took 23 shots on it. He also had eight assists, folks. Like he. He is the hub of their offense, and if you start sending double teams at him, predictable double teams, because once you start doing it, it's one of those things where it's either got to stick with it or you got to bail from it because you know, keeping them off balance, your own guys not knowing when you want to do it, that gets everything kind of off key. Um, he, he's looking for that. And I'm, I have the game on replay right now, and <sighs> Jokic wasn't their only problem tonight. The, the the Nuggets didn't take a lot of threes, but they were 9 of 22. They shot 56% from the field, and really a lot of guys were getting open looks. If they're getting open looks without you really double-teaming Jokic, what happens when you start double-teaming Jokic? <laughs> right. Random I, I, more. Yeah, and so I'm okay with the Blazers' game plan. I think where you're, if you want to question something, the not fouling in the final seconds, I, I can I can at least see that. But beyond that... Some bad bounces, some dumb decisions, but I, I, I know this may sound weird from the guy who's always negative, but tonight's game against the Nuggets wasn't one of those ones that's like going to haunt me. How about you, Tara? Oh, not at all. This was um, on my scale of, you know, the way I rate games. This was a pretty low rated game. It was a one. As you recall, my rating system is one point for a win, one point if... I don't have to go to work the next day and one point if I don't have to ride my bike home in the rain. So the good news was it wasn't raining, but <laughs> otherwise they didn't get the other two. So, you know, it could have been better. A win would have been really nice. Um, but in my point is in the grand scheme of things, it doesn't make me feel tremendously one way or the other. It makes me feel like, you know, 
you're going to win some, you're going to lose some. It goes back to win some of the ones, win the ones you should and some of the ones you shouldn't. And this was a tough one. This was, you know, against the number one team in the West. Denver's holding that, has been pretty consistently holding that spot down. I'm not quite convinced that they're holding that spot down because they're really that good. I haven't really bought into them yet. I could probably change my mind. But Jokic is that good, though. I know. That's a thing. I guess he is. He, he, he is, Dara. Like, I, I can understand the questions like, will Jamal Murray continue to be good and healthy? Will Millsap kind of round into form? Or enough of these, like, no-name or, or lesser-known guys like Monty Morris and Malik Beasley and Torrey Craig and those kind of guys. Like, are those enough, like is that enough like, of, of, of a continued role-playing depth to sustain them? I, those questions to me are all valid. But Jokic is a, is a top-five MVP candidate. Like, he's, he's at that point now, which is crazy. Yeah. I mean, I guess... You, do you not agree? No, I mean, I, <laughs> we, I, we have this running joke in uh, amongst my friends who watch basketball is that Jokic is like Anne from Arrested Development where <clears throat> you just, like, forget he's there until he's there. And you're like, oh, he's there? Like, oh, I forgot about him. Like, he's doing all this stuff, but, like, he's so unmemorable. So he sneaks up on you. I don't know. I don't know how to. I don't know how to explain it. But well, I, no. I mean, it's 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 not a flashy game. He's no, no. Like we were talking about it tonight. He he's the smoothest of the smooth-bodied all stars. Like Paul Pierce is jealous of 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 his, of his flabby disposition. Like <laughs> there's nothing. It's a below the rim, non-flash, non-panache game. Like it's. But it's yeah, and I just find that hard effective. to watch, and so I resent it a little bit. <laughs> See, I'm the complete. I'm on the other side. We, 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 you, you and I, you're, you've been around me long enough to know how much I love the post game and and footwork and yeah, like the, the nuance of that. Like he, listen, I love Aminu's defense, but there was one play where he shook Aminu out of his mm-hmm. shoes, and it was devastating because I I thought Aminu played it perfectly until just this little subtle, just shoulder faint and then drop step and then beautiful footwork to just leave Aminu in the dust and get an uncontested layup. And I was like, I, I, I don't even know how Aminu stayed with him. He's, like, yeah, he stayed all. on it his was, feet. Yeah, <laughs> I remember that like, play. He did stay on his feet. He got caught going in the wrong direction. But he yeah, stayed I thought on he was feet. going baseline. I was screaming, he's going baseline. He's going baseline. He's setting you up to go baseline. And it, it was like Aminu was in the same frame of mind. And he was waiting for him to go baseline. And he gave him this unbelievably tight shoulder fake that made it seem like he was spinning baseline. And then he came back to the middle and it was like, uh, yeah. that, how did, how did that kind of, okay. Listen, this sounds terrible, but he's a sloppy looking dude. And he just makes that stuff look so simple, Exactly. but, I, but it's not like this, like, Oh my God, desirable thing that you want to watch regularly. Yeah. And so I don't, I, you know, just like you don't like watching a play because you don't like chaos. I like chaos. <sighs> so I find it fun. You know, you like, I guess, you know, the subtle, like, non-flashy kind of things that are just, like, you know, perfectly executed. So, you know, that's why that's why we have different takes on things, Dan. Well, Whatever. this is not a Denver Nuggets podcast. Let's talk a little bit more about the Blazers. A halfway point in the season. I guess my main question for you is... Is there anything that we know now about this team that we didn't know at the beginning of the season? Well, I, I think this is going to sound hoity-toity as hell, but I've wanted to see this team run the ball through 
Nurkic more, mm -hmm. uh, particularly on the playmaking side. And I think more people are, are aware of and the Blazers are realizing and really embracing that Nurkic is the second most important player on this team. It's, it's no longer Dame CJ. It's Dame Nurkic CJ. And that's not the pecking order in shots. That's just, I think, importance because of what Nurkic means defensively and how much of the offense he unlocks offensively. I mean, we saw it tonight on the opening possession against the Nuggets. Do you, do you think at any other point in time that we're getting a backdoor lob to Jake Lehman mm -hmm. to start the game if, mm -hmm. if Nurkic isn't out there? No. Well, so. and if it wasn't Lehman, it would be Harkless. I mean, that's yeah, the it's, same it's, play it's a, that they yeah. do for Harkless. Exactly. So, like, the, but that comes off of Nurkic's ability to see, anticipate, and make plays from the mid to high post that nobody else, save maybe Evan Turner occasionally, um, and Myers can make them when he does get the opportunity, you know, when he's passing from the high post to the three point line. But um, fundamentally, it comes back to use of Nurkic. Uh, as far as other things that they've learned, uh, which bench guys are, are you can kind of count on? I think the whole you know wait for Seth, Seth Curry. It's going to take him at least a month. Well, took Seth is kind of rounded in. <laughs> yeah, it took him two, but I think he's been what what we expected from him. Like a, I see Seth as a ten to twelve point a night guy who comes off the bench consistently and, and is a excuse me to spread the floor and put a little pressure on defensively, work without the ball, work with the ball. Um, Evan Turner, you know, in that playmaking role. Uh, but but is that stuff really is been... that is that stuff we didn't know at the beginning of the season? Is any of that a su surprise, or is it just like we were waiting to? Waiting I think most to of see. it was waiting. The Nurkic stuff, I think, is surprising, yeah. especially as far as his shooting. Because remember, people killed me for saying that all I wanted to see was Nurkic up his free throw percentage and dunk once a game. And guess what he's done, Tara? Mm -hmm. Upped his free throw percentage and he's dunking once a game. And just those impacts alone raised his efficiency and effectiveness quite a bit. I mean, how many games have we seen now from Yusuf Nurkic where his free throw shooting has basically been the difference between a win or a loss? Yeah, because like, he he's getting good at getting to the line, too. Yes, that's what I mean. Like, it's, it's, it's been a huge thing. Not only is he getting there, he's getting he's it done. Him. And for a guy who's a, who was a career 61%er coming in this season to all of a sudden be, you know, damn near 80%, like, that's... That's quite the change. You you touched on of uh, some of the individuals coming off of the bench um, as something we they they've sort of figured out. You know, uh, Evan Turner and Seth. But as a unit, are you surprised that the? Do you feel like the bench is having more success than you know uh, being able to not even just go out and not lose, no, not fall too far behind, but actually go out and Ingrally. build leads? Does that surprise yeah. you? Yeah, I mean, yeah, it surprises me because the the bench is long. I mean, since Lamarcus era, the bench was always like, "Oh God, please just just keep Portland in the game." You like, just they, don't you, give up too much ground. Yeah, yeah like they had an eighteen point lead. The starters come back in, and it's a two point game. You're like, oh, "God, now they have to try so hard to close this game." Why? Um, tonight we saw Zach bounce back uh, after what was a rough period. Um, Myers giving the Blazers anything has probably made most people happy, right? Mm -hmm. I, I think in, in a lot of people's eyes, Myers was, I don't want to say lost cause, but they written off. I would say that there was a, at least a, a vocal group. <laughs> that would say, would done, say right? that he was over, that he, you know, they were, a lot of people were saying that they were done with him. Yeah. Um, Jake Lehman. You know what? I, 
People said it was crazy when I said I'd rather see Jake start than Mo. Um, Jake continues to have these moments in these games where you're just like, yeah, Jake Lim is actually a pretty decent player. Um, hell, they, they Tara, they ran a post up tonight for Jake to start the second half. <laughs> Jake's posting up. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what in the hell is going? Like, it wasn't like. You know, some on-the-fly thing. Like, they had a play drawn up for Jake Lehman to post up. And I was like, uh, this is – to go from DNP to have plays run for you, mm-hmm. that's, that's a little weird, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, but it's the, kind of the typical thing that they've been doing all year, which is to get one of the – I don't know. I don't – like – The other not, guys. Yeah, one of the other guys, yes. you know, the first play. Yep. And, you know, and, he's, and it's never Aminu. So it's it's always whoever is in that well, third spot. To be fair, how many nights has Chief gone without getting his shots? Oh, I'm not saying that it should be for Aminu. I'm just <laughs> saying it never is. Because in the pecking order, it's Dame, CJ, Nurkic. And then I'd probably put Aminu as fourth as far as the the shots pecking order. Mm-hmm. Right? Who, like, who gets the shots? Yeah. And I, I'm, you're going to hate me for this, but I, my, I'm at the point where it's like, should that be the case? Mm-hmm. Like I, I think I'd rather see a bit more of a shooter get those shots, like maybe Seth or Jake. Well, yeah, I mean, I think it's whoever is, you know, who, whoever's like producing. Like, yeah, if, like if Chief is having a tough shooting night and somebody else is shooting, I don't see any problem getting the other person the ball. Yeah, Chief should not have one for ten shooting nights. No, like if, if he's like one for four and like he goes to that one for five. That should be the last shot for Chief. But but like, if he's if he's having those type kind of nights, it's because he's open, you know. So yeah. would you have him pass it one more time into a covered person? Uh, what would I, you I, have I, him do in those situations? I, I think I'd maybe not have sets quite as much where Aminu is the guy where it's going to end up in because you know how it, the coverage is going to come. So those are plays that the, the team is running. It's not necessarily that Aminu's getting the ball and he's shooting, oh, he's being selfish. It's the they're no, running those plays. Is that what you're saying? It, they're not running them for Aminu. That's just that's where the action is coming from because the double's coming. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's, but it's if what they're taught to do the is, it, it is get it's the best, most the open egg. shot, you know, would a better way to do it is just be have him play fewer minutes and have him not yeah. be out there to be the person who's the most open to get those open shots? Yeah, that's kind of, like I said. Is that where like you're leaning and you just don't want to say it because you're afraid you'll hurt my feelings? Yeah, a little bit. That's okay. It's okay, His, Dan. Uh, I'm... Dan and I, <laughs> Dan Delgado and I were talking about this tonight. Remember remember Ben Golliver with, with his shake rating? No. Like, we, we, it basically has to deal with variance. Oh. Um. Uh, on a night-to-night basis. And if I had to venture a guess, Alfred Camino probably has more variance than just about any other player in the league when it comes to three-point shooting. Yeah. Like, his good nights are usually very good. His, and his good bad nights, nights are so are, good. And his bad nights are, are really so bad. bad. <laughs> like, you're like 1 for 10, 0 for 9 type nights, and you're like, holy crap, please stop shooting. Um, I think if you had a guy who was more about, like, 1 of 4, 2 of 5 every night, Right, I think it would be more beneficial for Portland. Does that make sense? Yeah. The only problem is, is then you're giving up his defense. Yes, I'm. I'm just saying, like in an like, if if it was Chief that was just getting, you know, the not taking as many, but making more, making more of the ones he's taking. Yeah, just, Con- just oh, more consistently. Just, just, just consistently. Mm-hmm. If Chief hit like 1.8 to like 2.2 threes a night, like on average. Where that was just the mark, 
but he was only taking at most like five on like the his busiest nights. Mm-hmm. I think that's I think that's the way to go. Yeah, but that's I mean that's having the rest of the team also agree to that. I mean, you know what I mean? Because yeah, you no, know, like it. he's getting the ball because he's open because the other teams aren't guarding him and he could either pass it on into somebody who's covered or yeah, like what else can he do? I mean, I, this isn't like the, the poop on a menu time either. Like I, I love chief. Oh, I'm not, letting, uh, I would not let that happen, but we're having a no, reasonable no. conversation about what he brings and doesn't bring to the table. So yeah. you're not, you don't think we are? No, no, I, I, I'm with you there. I'm yeah. just, I, I'm just kind of like going back and forth. Like, well, but for how much longer are we having that conversation? <laughs> well, correct. I, I, so here's me, here's what I'm I mean, like, what I'm going. There's been a few times over the last week, you know, this very business like week, that they've played Collins alongside Nurkic, and I'm pretty. I feel like they're auditioning Collins to try to figure out if he's ready for that position that's currently being occupied by Al Farouk Aminu. I have no idea if that's pos- if that's what's happening, but in my mind, knowing you know, where they are with Aminu and the contract situation and all that stuff and whether or not they're going to want to try to, you know, move him at the trade deadline. I figure they would do that if they felt like Collins was ready to step into that four spot. What do you think about that? So, I mean, this is kind of getting into the other stuff that we're going to talk about here, but it's no secret. Like I've talked about it plenty of times. You and I have talked about this plenty of times off air, on air, uh, this whole idea that the Blazers are going to be willing to go into the luxury tax and limit what their MLE is and be a uh, taxpayer for a team that's not that competitive. Like, they're competitive. More competitive than I think we thought they would be at the beginning of the year, wouldn't sure. you? Sure. Okay. Slightly more. But again, we're not – there isn't a even, like, remotely – likable scenario where if things just broke just the right way for the Blazers, I could see them in the Western Conference Finals. Like, you you would need a lot to go their way for that to happen in my mind. Um, but, with that said, they're in this weird spot where I think last year and the year before, they were talking about trading Al Farouk Aminu and Ed Davis, but they were so integral into what the Blazers were doing that they couldn't afford to trade them. They found other ways to cut around the margins, let Noah Vonley go for, you know, nothing. Um, so now you're getting to the point now where they've trimmed so much around the edges where it's going to finally cost them a rotation guy. And I just don't think that they're looking at this team and going, you know what, this is, this is the one. We're going to pay the tax for this team. Do you? So are you saying will they will they find a way to reduce salary by seven million dollars so that they don't have to pay the luxury no, tax? No, no, no. no I'm just, I'm saying, do you, like, yeah. Do you think they they, they carry this same roster uh, into the post All Star break? So here's how I look at it. If if I was looking at it, and God knows I don't know what I'm doing, but but if I was looking at it, I would look at and and think of. Is there anything out there that would make that big of a difference to this team? And, you know, if they were going to, if they were, I don't think that they would make a trade just for the sake of making a trade unless they've been told to do it for money. 
But as far as trading for personnel reasons, because they think that they're going to find just the right player, they got probably super lucky with Nurkic. And we've watched this team, how, how they build slowly and they build people in slowly. And one of the things that is the key to the success that they've been having is continuity and going out and getting somebody new to be part of the rotation in the middle of the season. It just has like the whole Aaron Aflalo thing written all over it to me. Like, oh, come on. That, that just didn't work. <laughs> that just oh, absolutely on. did not work. That worked out phenomenally. They gave up a useful asset and Will Barton for a guy that they kept for two and a half months that was ultimately useless for them. Come on. That's a win-win. <laughs> <sighs> so, I mean, that's... Don't try to defend that in the comments, people. I don't want to hear it. <laughs> so, I mean, I just don't... I don't see them making a personnel move for the sake of improving, like, quote-unquote, improving the team at this point given that there are so many other teams who want to do it and the way that this, like I said, the way that this team is built and the way that we've seen them grow over the last couple of years is by guys getting to know each other and having strong relationships and being able to, and obviously Nurkic is the exception, but I really think that was an exception. They, they stumbled into that one. Here, well, here's, here's another uh, solidly grounded theory. Let's put it that way. The Blazers signed Alfred Camino and Ed Davis with the sole purpose of developing them, flipping them for future assets. But they became so valuable to the team that they couldn't trade them. And that put them in a weird spot. Uh, they're, quote-unquote, stuck with them without being able to move them to get a cheaper up-and-coming or replacement-level player to keep things kind of going and keep contracts fluid. And now the bill has come due for those guys, and they have become so valuable that they won't be able to find a ready-made suitable replacement. Now, obviously, didn't find one for Ed, um, and now the same is going to be true for Aminu. Unless they are willing or able to move somebody else other than Aminu, i.e. Harkless or mm-hmm. Turner. But I think Turner's a guy who's become more valuable to the Blazers than any other really potential other team. And I, if you, if you, if you, I think if you force the Blazers to answer this question, they would rather get away from Harkless than they would Amino because of the versatility. And even as we were talking about, you want more consistency from Aminu. I think Aminu offers you more consistency easily than Harkless. I mean, the number one ability Tara is what availability. Hey, Aminu doesn't miss games. Nope. That dude, I mean, knock on all the wood. Yeah, um, geez. But he is about as steady a lineup guy as you can find in the league. He's there. Um, so, hashtag Aminu Appreciation Society. Yeah, I mean, I, don't get me wrong. I'd love to see if a way the Blazers could keep him through the season, and then maybe they get him on a, a team friendly deal. I don't think that happens. That's just. Reading the tea leaves. Right. Well, let's go ahead and, and pivot into the trade deadline discussion if you want, mm-hmm. if you're ready. So I was, yeah, take, no, I was taking a look and trying to figure out, like, what what are the Blazers doing right now to prepare for the February 7th deadline? Okay, so not just the Trail Blazers, everybody in the Western Conference, except for maybe the Suns. Even the Suns, maybe, because they still need a damn point guard. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Every team in the in the Western Conference, hell, all around the NBA, are have made calls, uh, both receiving and making them themselves, and they're trying to find out where everybody sits, who's a buyer, who's a seller. 
it appears like this is going to be a buyer's market. It, it looks like there's going to be more sellers than buyers, which is rare. It's, it's been the other way around lately. There's going to be many. more sellers than buyers, more people yes. who are willing to change their, you know, to give up players mm-hmm. to take in new players rather than people who are just trying to move on from. Yes. I, th- I think uh, that what's going to happen is two different things. The Eastern conference, there are teams that are looking to blow it up because they just, they're not there or they're in weird salary spots. And then in the Western conference, I think there's teams who are looking to load up more. Um, willing to give up a guy here or there, but to continue bolstering with young guys. Um, think the uh, the Kings. The Kings need a small forward. So I, I think that they're looking at that position. Do you think there's? Do you think this is because there's more people than expected in win now mode? Like Not maybe because there's now, some weakness with Golden State or yes. There, there's some viability, not in the immediacy, but in the next year or two. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I firmly believe that, that Durant is leaving Golden State. Like, they, even if they cut them the big check, I think he leaves. Uh, I think there's a good chance that Draymond leaves because Golden State is not willing to pay him. So I think that dynasty may be sh- just, you know, on, on the shelf here. Not actually uh, a dynasty. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's just a team, that, just a super team that is over. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think it, it, it falls apart very quickly, um, if it does. Um, and with that, I think with those whispers, I think you see some GMs and some execs around the league maybe willing to, to, to hike up their, their pants a little bit and get, get to the table. Um, so calls are being made, and really over the next two to three weeks, teams will solidify if they're buyers or sellers. So in and, addition to solidifying if people are buyers or sellers, are they also talking about what they're looking for or are people just having yes. to infer what their, you know, collaborators are looking for. Everybody knows what. So that's out there on the table. Looking for that, it could change, right? Um, you you sit there and you look at it, and Memphis, you know, the, they've got all that money sunk into Chandler Parsons. They look to buy him out. Would they be looking for forward help? Are they serious about being buyers? Do they want to give somebody up? Do they want to give an asset up to maybe make a playoff run to show Jaron Jackson with Mike Conley and Mark Gasol what the playoffs look like? Mm-hmm. Like, is that something worth doing? Um, you take a look at the Kings. Do they look to add somebody to maybe make a real playoff push? Do they think LeBron is injured for a long enough time? To where they could make a real playoff push. Uh, the Spurs have so many injuries, but and yet they playoff. play so well. Oh my yeah. god, it's so frustrating. But so they're they're looking at okay, we we definitely are struggling in our backcourt. Like we, Bryn Forbes and Patty Mills are, are are giving us real minutes every single night. Like, do we need to maybe look for something? Do we get an injury exception and look to maybe add somebody in the backcourt uh, for the Blazers? Clearly, they're looking for wing help. Um, I, I, t- I don't believe there's any truth to the Jeremy Lin rumors. I think that's something from the Atlanta camp or Jeremy Lin's camp uh, or somebody else doing somebody else a favor because if Portland's kicking the, the, the tires what? on Jeremy you, Lin, means they've Earth. already given up on Seth Curry right when he's starting to play well. If anything, I believe Portland called Atlanta and asked about Torian Prince. And, they, okay. and Atlanta was basically like, well, while you're here, we have a lightly used Jeremy Lin. It'll cost you one first-round draft pick, and which if Neil O'Shea is – even got half a brain cell was like, nah, I'm good, fam. Click. 
Uh-huh. So yeah, that uh, when that rumor came out, the the Blazers were interested in Jeremy Lin. It just made no sense. I mean, it just no. absolutely it, there was no no sense to it. <laughs> the, no, you, I mean, like right. why the last thing on earth they need right now is a point guard. And like that's the last thing that they've ever needed for the last several years <laughs> since since 2012. That's that's been true. Like they, we they finally figured out where the point guard, how to the point they guard of the finally figured out how to work out the guard rotation. Yeah, no, I, I don't think that's, so. By that's all means, don't all. bring in Jeremy Lin. So what what's it, what about Torian Prince? I mean, he's he kind of fits the mold, right? Young player uh, has some potential. Three uh, and D guy. I mean. He's a guy I can see Portland going after and targeting. Um, Atlanta has, clearly has cap space. Um, would they be interested in a guy like Aminu? Um, Aminu, you know, played his, his game down there. He's from down He's around from there. Atlanta. So, I mean, there's got to be maybe some interest there. If, you, if you're chief, you get a little audition down there or, or for Harkless. Because um, you, you have to get some, some salary out going here to make this kind of all happen. Um, but I, I think the, the key thing to take away here is that we, we heard going, coming out of last season, coming into this season. And again, this week that Portland is willing to part with their first round draft pick in order to make a deal. Whereas that was not the case this time, uh, last year. Is Torian Prince young enough that he would be, um, considered, you know, a, a, a you know, longer Future term asset. part of the team? Yes. So um, he is in his third year. I'm pulling up exactly how old he is because I can't remember how many years he played in college. He is 24. Okay. Um, but yeah, he six uh, eight two twenty. Uh, pretty much ideal for what the Blazers want. So um, I really I'm also concerned if they make a trade deadline trade, you know, and move somebody like Aminu that it's a really strong possibility that they won't make it into the playoffs just because it would disrupt their what they've got right now. Well, and that's that's the balance game that we hear, and this is why I said my, my strongly grounded theory as far as Ed Davis and Al Farouk Aminu, and the reason those guys weren't traded is because they were key cogs. Mm-hmm. They're like kind of in the same position right now. Yes, exactly. Um, Torian Prince is if if that's the move they make um, makes the most sense. If you could give up a first round pick and Maurice Harkless for Torian Prince, I believe that gives them enough room to um, be under the cap. I believe that's what. It, <laughs> but if I, I have, was Atlanta, it, I wouldn't coming, offer that because that's that that's too easy. <laughs> yeah, I, I, trust me, I, I, I get it. Um, but it's it all depends on on what they're looking at here. Um, they're going to want more than that. I, I think you you have to at least kick the tires on something along those lines. Um, do they want a menu? Do they want a veteran guy in the locker room? Uh, well. It's, it's it's a weird situation. There's, there's certainly truth to that. Yeah. So in addition to sifting through rumors about uh, Atlanta and who they might or might not want to trade with Portland, um, another conversation that I've heard come up, you know, in the media about is after the trade deadline, then comes the buyout period. 
Mm-hmm. And I'm really curious because right now, like as we sit here talking, there's at least two guys, and I think there's more like five guys, but I can't remember who they all are, who we've been informed are no longer with their team. So Carmelo Anthony, Chandler Parsons, guys like this who are, you know, big names on teams who will no longer be playing with those teams and the teams that they are on now have to figure out how to move on from them. So give me some thoughts on some different scenarios and way those things could play out and whether or not they might play out before the trade deadline or after during the buyout phase. Uh, As far as Portland's concerned, uh, they would have to permanently move (laughs) Wade and Caleb to the, or one of them to the, or wave them to the G League. Just for um, room, you mean? Yeah, because their their roster spot, their their roster's full. So um, they didn't use any of their two way contracts up. So that would have to happen first, um, and then it would all depend on how much money one of these guys was getting as far as what they were looking to get uh, back from another team. Portland can only offer the minimum. So if they part ways, so let's say uh, this is totally for the sake of just understanding how this works. This is not because I want Chandler Parsons, but it's just he's a name I'm using. Let's let's call mm-hmm. him like, you know, what what else could we call him? You know, Bobby Marsons. Okay, so uh, Bobby Marsons um, is owed like seventy million dollars or whatever. Do, do does the team that he plays on do they have to pay that entire thing out either directly or by stretching them and then release him or like if they can't find somebody to do a deal so basically it's a mutual agreement between both that the player will be waived then agent team sit down and they hammer out what portion is needed to pay to be able to get out of that contract for both sides. Um, it really depends on what it looks like, right? Uh, you you have your agent basically talking to other teams, who's willing to pick me up, who's not. Um, but depending on what the buyout is, whatever's remaining on his contract, that's what goes on waivers. So you get a 48-hour period where... Um, you go on waivers, and if a team picks you up, you get picked up for the remainder of your contract. If you clear waivers, then basically you get all the freedom in the world, and you get to decide where you want to go. And that player now has cleared waivers, and he's able to go sign wherever he wants. So if Bobby Marsons, if, they're, if the team can't find a place to trade him... Mm-hmm. And one, to, one, situ, one scenario in which somebody might be interested in absorbing that contract might be because they want to pick, right? Okay, they, wait, 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 what? Like, one, like most people aren't going to want to take on that contract, right? Mm-hmm. But what Nobody if they had picks attached to that contract? They, like, they, 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 I mean, you could trade for it. But that's that's not going to be. That's what I'm saying. So, so in the unlikely scenario that anybody wants to, like the the one case in which people might be interested in taking that on would be yeah. If you're if they had picks, you've got a crap ton of cap space. Yeah, and you really want picks, then you might be like, okay, we'll do it. But that's unlikely given the the situation that everybody is in. So, like if you're Cleveland right now, if you can do anything to take on to get more draft picks, 
I would do it because mm-hmm. you're such a bad team. You should be willing to do basically anything. Yeah. To t- like, you should take on all the dead money in the world. Yeah. And just and amass just stockpile picks. picks because you're so bad. But hey, Cavs beat the Lakers tonight. Yeah. Shout out to Cavs. <laughs> I don't even know if, uh, you know, Memphis has their first round pick. Um, but, but anyway, okay. So he doesn't get picked up. So they, he and, and his agent, sit down with the team and say, okay, I want out of this contract so that I can go play somewhere. And they say, okay, we want to let you out of it, but we can't really pay you the whole entire thing. And so they settle on some mutually agreed upon, like we'll pay you $25 million to walk away or whatever with Mm -hmm. that. And that would be like a, a lump sum. Here's $25 million. And then the rest of that, he and the rest of that go on to waivers. No, 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 no. No, then it then it's that whatever that agreed upon amount is just gone. That's poof. If I explain that terribly, that's 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 my fault. Well, no, it's, it's a it's a really complicated thing. So this yeah. is probably not the most exciting thing, but I'm sure you know, I'm probably not the only one out there who doesn't exactly get it. <laughs> I hope I'm not the only one out there who doesn't exactly get it. Like, be- I'll I'll put a link to the CBA FAQ and I'll 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 put a little bit more in the the podcast description. So yeah, but um, see the CBA like explains it in like very nebulous terms. I'm like no, no, I'm walking through it with a person. Yes, so that, no, that's, see that's what, what it's like. Wanna, so what, what ends up happening is you agree to a buyout and then that player whatever contract he agrees to to buy out the number, uh, give back, take whatever you want to talk about it, um, then. What ends up happening is the signs a new contract. Whatever team uh, wants to sign him, the contract's null and void, so he can sign. And this is this is what ultimately de- 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 ends up defining the negotiation. So, let's say Chandler Parsons and the Memphis Grizzlies are just hating each other, right? But Chandler Parsons has been healthy and he's been effective and he's been good, and he wants to play. Yes. And nobody is willing to trade because of whatever reason. This is the most ridiculous thing ever, but let's say that's the case. And basically, Parsons knows that there are plenty of teams out there that want him but aren't willing to trade for him. Right. Because of whatever stipulation in his contract. They don't want to pay that, or they just don't want to pay that much money. Yeah, okay, let's just say that's the case. And it's just completely, like, the relationship is just not repairable between him and the Grizzlies. Um, And they can't trade him for whatever reason. So they agree on a very minimal buyout. And Parsons and his agent agree to this knowing that teams X, Y, and Z are willing to offer another new multi-year contract Mm -hmm. the second he clears waivers. Okay. So it's a weird spot. But the thing is for Portland, for Portland to be able to pick up any of these guys, which is kind of funny that we spent all this time talking about this, they have to cut somebody or trade somebody for nothing in return rather than picks. Mm -hmm. So... And then you also have the fact that if, if it was Chandler Parsons that the Blazers were interested in, which wouldn't be the case. Remember, CJ gave him one of the nastiest like online burns in the in the history of sports. So, yeah, I just not, think it's interesting this? that there are a number of players out there who have already basically said that you know, like again with Carmelo Anthony as well, that, you know, this relationship is not going to go on. And I'm interested to see if people try to active, if they find a home during the trade deadline or if it happens later during the buyout season. Yeah, it's, and it's, it's, and it's it's good to know that the Portland is not likely to be involved in any buyout situation because they just don't have the money. 
they don't have the money or the roster spots. Mm-hmm. But I think that, and I, I hinted at this when it first happened, is that I believe Wade and Caleb being sent down to the G League was twofold. One, if blowout minutes do come, they want them going to Simon Trent. Two, I think mm-hmm. that makes them more readily available to deal. Mm-hmm. So, um, could be interesting. Uh, it should be interesting over the next few weeks. What happens with Portland as far as the season is concerned and how that defines what they do or don't do going into the traded line. Well, speaking of, uh, you know, going, moving into the future, the Blazers have against, you know, continue to just play every other night. And in a way it's kind of fun because like there's always Blazers, Tell you what, I'm busy. <laughs> but in the other, I just look at them and I just think, Oh my gosh, they must be so tired. Um, but so they were uh, in Denver. They go to Sacramento tomorrow, and then later this week they play Cleveland in New Trash. Orleans. Trash, Cleveland, Cleveland is so bad. Yeah, they yeah, but just... you know they they did a good job of taking care of bad teams. I mean, it's like we're well, still I mean, at that point Lakers where we hold our too. breath. <laughs> no, I mean the, the, if the Blazers lose that game, that's that, that's the only way possible that they can like. Uh, Sink lower than that Wizards loss to start the season. <laughs> that would be a piss, that, that one. Yeah, so, that, that game was so I'm, I'm concerned about the Sacramento game because I'm I'm afraid they're going to be tired after Denver, and Sacramento is just an exhausting <sighs> team to play. Yeah, so we were talking about that the post game show. Like you just got done playing a long game where everyone, but basically Nurkic, just because of foul trouble, had to play deep minutes as far as the the heavy rotation guys mm-hmm. at altitude. Mm-hmm. Now you have to get on a plane. Late at night, by the way, I pitched about this plenty of times, but it's ridiculous the travel time it takes any NBA team or any sports team in the world to get from a sporting venue in Denver to the airport and then out of town. Like, yeah, people talk about that a lot. It's, it's no joke. Like With any kind of traffic at all, it's like an hour and 20 minutes. Like, mm-hmm. that, that airport is so far away. And after a long game, a tight game, you're just wanting to get out of there as fast as possible, get into – Sacramento, which is also another place that's not easy to get in and out of. But now you have to, after that, after traveling all night, getting to Sacramento, after playing at altitude, being exhausted, now you're going to go play the team in the NBA with the highest pace in the league. And De'Aaron Fox, maybe, no, yeah. not maybe, the fastest player in the yeah. league. Yeah, that's going to be, that's going to be really tough. Yeah, no, just, I, Has I, I anybody been able them. to successfully slow Sacramento down? Uh, on possessions, no. Yeah, I mean, how do you no, do they, that? How do you how do you slow down a team that demands them, to go fast? Make them pull the, the ball out of the hoop every time. You just score on them. You grind every possession to a halt, and you score every time. So you That's, slow down, you hold it on for the whole shot clock, and then you, you make it. Yep. You have to be efficient and grind clock. Mm-hmm. Just think the Memphis Grizzlies or the Spurs 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. The Pistons, even. Like, if, you, if you're that kind of team, if you're a... Very dedicated, meticulous, um, veteran-laden team that does like you don't you don't waver at all. That's how you take care of the team like the Kings. Because remember, in the the Nurkic game where the the, the twenty twenty five by five, the Kings went zero for nineteen over a stretch. Mm-hmm. That's how you beat them. It doesn't matter how fast they go if they if, if if they're pulling the ball out on their end and they're not scoring on your end. Doesn't matter how many more possessions they get. Because they took 25 more shots than the Blazers that night, Tara. <laughs> 25. That's insane. Well, you know, and, and 
Portland, Portland, I believe, has the ability to slow things down pretty well. Oh, absolutely. You go to a pick-and-roll game between Dame and Nurk, and you just yeah. beat them up. I mean, I that, just I just it. see Damien standing there at the top of the, you know, coming across the half line with his arm up in the air dribbling the ball. You know, it's like, okay, we're going to use as much of the shot clock off of yeah. this one. And they, they, honestly, they did that for long stretches of that game. We're like, okay, we're going to just we're gonna grind this down here. Just mm-hmm. make this happen. So Cleveland, we're hoping Trash. that the Blazers will take care of business yet again. And then New Orleans. So Ooh. Blazers, correct me if I'm wrong, I believe earlier this season they beat New Orleans. Without Anthony Davis. That's right. That they didn't have Anthony Davis. It was like Julius a big blowout, Randall. but they didn't have Anthony Davis. Yeah, Julius Randle went nuts in that game. Uh-huh. It was like, oh, okay, Julius is pretty good. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, uh, AD should be back, and he is balling out of his mind right God, now. There are so many players Oof. right now that are balling out of their minds. Yeah, the uh, the crazy stat line guys are... <laughs> They're just taking it to lines, a whole new level. You know, you know my favorite one from tonight was? James Harden going one of 17 from three. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Good times, everybody loves it when James Harden suffers. Uh, it makes me kind I, of uncomfortable how much everybody I think, loves that. I feel a I think bad James for James Harden. Is a masochist, and even James Harden likes when James Harden suffers. So, just for perspective, uh, James Harden over the last 10 is 10 has averaged 41, 10, and 7, actually 10 and 8. Um, second, in basically all of those types of categories, has been Anthony Davis, who is over his last 10, 10 games averaging 32. 16 and what four assists two steals and almost three blocks what's their more <laughs> recent record though because they've struggled this year they're, they're four and five uh, in their last nine because ad did miss one of those games so uh i had to scroll off a long way down to find the pelicans uh they're i think they're five and five in the last yeah five and five in the last ten yeah so but Randall's averaging 22, Drew's averaging 22. So you get uh, 70 points a game between AD, Drew, and Randall. That's that's not a uh, easy one to get by. So is there a problem that they just don't have anybody else who can produce else. beyond those three? Yeah. No, you, you get a little bit of help from you know, like Etwan Moore and Miritich has been nicked up. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, they uh, – So their, with their the new ball depth. handling Nurkic – the Blazers should have a better shot uh, against New Orleans this time. That's a game with that Anthony I've got, Davis. Yeah, I, that's a game where I've got the you know the dart and the board on. Like, let's see how the Blazers do against one of these new age freaks, mm-hmm. like a guy like AD who Jeez. just blows up game plans. No, I mean that's it's what they are. They're they're a new age of basketball and they're a freak. I mean, Anthony Davis, Giannis, guys like that. They're they're just. I just think there's we can come up with a better word than that. We one of them's literally called the Greek freak. Okay. No, I mean, no, that's no. that's his brand. Yeah. Okay. I mean, it's just it, it is what it is. We've seen it work against. They're the, exceptional players. We've seen it work against the traditional guys, the, even like a Clint Capella or a Stephen Adams. Yeah. Um, guys like that. Uh, I want to see how it works against AD. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to see how this looks because they kind of toyed with it, but they didn't really use it against Utah because they're getting a chance to use it against Utah right after New Orleans. Um, so I want to see how it stands up against those guys um, and and kind of get a real feeling for it. Because the Blazers really, they have games that are either tough or laughable for like the next two yeah. weeks. 
So yeah. You, you, you Cleveland get like, and then New Orleans, Utah, and then OKC, and then Phoenix, Phoenix and Atlanta. And Atlanta. <laughs> yeah, you're just like, oh, okay, cool. So it's either going to be a, uh, just a complete and utter catastrophe type game where you're like, you're wondering what's going to happen all night long, or it's just, hey, take care of business. This team is awful. There's, there's really like no in between. This continues to be a good test. Uh, but it's not like in December where it was like a nail biting kind of a test. This is more like that they've come through sucked. and they've shown us some stuff. Now can they yeah. keep showing it to us? Yeah, that whole month was just like, Ugh, but God. they came out of it pretty well. Yeah, no, they did. But every night was a yeah. just a slog. Mm-hmm. It was just like, oh God, is it, it's another night. Okay, cool. Who do they have? Oh, another playoff team. Awesome. <laughs> It was like they just did not get a night off, and that, that's just tough. And it's nice to see the schedule lighten up a little bit. You took care of business when you needed to. Would have been nice to get one against Denver, but now you go take care of Sacramento and Cleveland. You get your coin toss game. You should win against the Pelicans at home, and then you go off for a three-game trip against Utah, OKC, and Phoenix, and you're like, well, be nice to get one of those Utah, OKC games and then you know, beat the crap out of the Suns. Then you're looking at heading into the All-Star break like, what, seven, eight games above five hundred. Yeah, I can I can, I can dig. Yeah, that would be nice. And they got the uh, they have a lot of tough decisions to make around the trade deadline. I just think it's so interesting. I Cassidy and I talked about this a little bit on the last episode of the What Podcast that basketball is just full of hard decisions. Like the players, the coaches, the GMs, it's all hard. There are just there's no easy decisions in the league or like there are rarely rarely is anything cut and dry like oh obviously we need to do this vote Damian Lillard for NBA All-Star that is an easy decision (laughs) have you voted yet today huh yeah have Um, you voted every day no no. (gasps) Dan I'm I'm, I'm terrible about that I'm like when I'm in the control do you want me to send you a reminder on your on your um, phone because I get it twice a day I'm definitely not going to be the difference between uh, him making as a starter or not not with that attitude. Nope. But have you seen the latest returns? Yeah. And Derrick Rose has more than a million more votes. <laughs> uh, so you're just going to throw people? your hands up in the air and be like, it doesn't matter if I vote. That is yeah, a dangerous you know why? You know way why? to go about because it. Because that vote right there shows you that humanity sucks. <laughs> <laughs> well, humanity is certainly not on the same page as me. That is for sure. <sighs> yeah. But so you know what's times. another easy decision? What's that? Um, donating tickets to Blazers Edge Night so Smooth kids transition. can go watch the Blazers take on Ed Davis and the Brooklyn Nets in March. Yes. Um, you're getting a few alley-oops here. Holy smokes. <laughs> yeah. They, they, they've taken my uh, hashtag throw more lobs seriously over the last couple of weeks. They actually <laughs> like are. game now. <laughs> yeah, they they had five alley-oops just last week. They yeah. had six in the whole month of December. I, I know. <laughs> and then they had five last week, and they had one more tonight. Yeah. So I'm just really glad that they are. They have ten dollars seats of options available <laughs> to me because <laughs> I'm like going to be buying a uh, lot of tickets for Blazers Edge tonight, but that is okay. I will do it with a smile because it is for a great cause. Yes. How about you? Now, what is your what I'm is your Blazer-related pledge? I think I'm just going to end up donating a flat number. You're just going to donate a number? Yeah. That's not very exciting. No, but I just want to make sure it's covered. So. Yeah. 
Um, so for people who didn't listen to to mine, I am I'm do- donating for made alley oops. I was up in the air about whether or not I was going to do made or attempts. And I decided I would go with made because they make almost all of them, but not quite all of them. And that might be the difference that I just, that I need to from paycheck to paycheck. So this is a, a, not really breaking news, but it was earlier tonight and I just came across my feed. The bulls speaking of buyouts are refusing to negotiate a buyout for Robin Lopez, which is preventing him from joining the warriors. Listen, warriors piss off. (laughs) No, they want Robin Lopez too. Yes. You know why they want Robin Lopez? Because they're sick of Yusuf Nurkic handing them their ass every time they play. And there's a realistic chance that they match up in the playoffs, and they don't want to be without a big body. What about Well, they may face Boogie. Denver. It's unsure. Are you comfortable with Boogie coming off an Achilles injury, even if you know everything that's going on in-house with uh, the, the Warriors matching up against the Nuggets or the Blazers? I'm pretty sure Boogie's going to be fine because he doesn't have to. Do, they're 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 not designed to have their center do that much. No, but they need to have a center who can play defense. Yeah, and do you think Boogie's going to sit there and play defense all night without getting the ball? They really yeah. they really want Robin Lippitt. Oh. Yeah, they want a guy who doesn't need the ball and plays Those consistently jerks. good defense. Yeah, this, that's why I said they can go ahead and piss off. <laughs> <laughs> uh, good times. Good for them. We have to end on a happier note than that. Find something else happy to talk about. Oh, the Blazers play tomorrow night? Yeah. Tonight, whenever you're listening to this. I'm going to edit this in the morning because I've got a billion things to take care of. So have fun with that. Uh, but how nice is it to see the Blazers play a game against the Kings? That, like, it's it's fun. You, oh right, yeah. Like the kings that are the fun. King, that the things are kings are fun. Yeah, like yeah. This? I was I was I've been thinking about the kings a lot lately. We uh, talked to somebody from Kings right at the beginning of the season, right after they uh, right after the draft, and they were still slightly reeling from not getting uh, Luca. But I think they're pretty happy with the pick that they got. But it's been really fun to watch that team this year. I'm a little worried about them when they if they make the playoffs about just getting eaten alive in the playoffs because of like the change of pace and everything and just like the youth and inexperience on that team. Um, but I'm, I was also in the same thought thinking about Denver and when they go to the playoffs, I mean, they still haven't been to the playoffs playoffs. I mean, everyone's expecting them just to like to, or not everyone, but, you know, people talking about them, you know, just marching to the Western Conference Finals. And I believe they're super, super good. Do you, Tara? Because I don't believe you do. I believe, I believe they're good. They're just like, I just, I, I'm not just all about like them, them right now. That's fine. Because um, we, you're, you're the Blazers like just things. lost to them. But, I mean, they haven't been to the, the, I guess the fact that they missed the playoffs on the basically the last day of the season for the last two years. You're just waiting for the wheels to fall off. Doesn't give me a lot of, you know, confidence in their ability to play through the playoffs. That's, I mean, that's understandable. All right. Well, let's go ahead and wrap it up here. Um, and I hope and pray that the Nuggets don't make the playoffs. Um, <laughs> the Denver Nuggets won't make, I think they'll make the playoffs. You think so? I'm pretty the wheels, sure they're going to make the playoffs. The wheels, the wheels could fall off pretty, pretty handily. I, that would, that would I be the think of all, all their wheels meltdowns. are on solidly enough to get them uh, to the playoffs. All right. Well, you know what's on, on solidly? All what? the other stuff you do at Blazers Edge Terra, why don't you go ahead and let everybody know? They can find me 
at TCB Biggs on Twitter and at Blazer's Edge, <gasps> I write my weekly mom's favorite column, which has been really fun. And I love doing it because I get to just focus on all of the good stuff and I don't have to like pick apart all of the things that are depressing about the team. Like if they have a rough week or whatever, I'm in there looking for the good stuff. So I've been having a blast doing that. And uh, we have the Women's Hoops and Talks podcast that comes tonight. out. Every two weeks, we had a we had a women's hoops and talk meetup tonight. That was so much fun. It was packed. It was our biggest one yet. Sweet. And um, it was very lively, and nobody was terribly mad or disappointed about the game. Everybody was pretty satisfied with how the game went off. But so, if you want to come to a Blazers What meetup, we have them monthly. The next one in february is going to be on the 10th it's um at noon and they're going to be playing dallas so it'll be kind of like a brunch that'll be kind of fun that'll be february 10th uh you can follow the hoops and talks podcast at hoops and talks on twitter and i think that about covers it for me all right sounds good i think that noon start game i think that's the day i'm going to be making my famous breakfast burritos for shane joe and the rest of the crew at blazes outsiders speaking of blazes outsiders you can find me on before and after every blazers game on nbc sports northwest uh talking blazers basketball question mark um there was something else I was going to plug here. I can, oh, that's what it was. Had Dane Delgado on the show tonight. Uh, tomorrow, we will have Dave Dufour of Count the Dings. Coach Dave, if anybody knows who he is, you should if you listen to the podcast because we've had him on plenty of times before. But Dave is going to come in and he has a special guest. It's a puppy. Oh, um, you're going to have a puppy on the show tomorrow night? Yes, we're going to have a puppy on the show. Oh. Um, not in, not 100% sure if it's going to be pregame, but he will 100% be there postgame. Uh, still trying to work out the logistics because he's flying in um, or driving into the studio like immediately as he gets into town. Uh, but that will be cool because Dave's a good friend of mine and a friend of the show, friend of the pod, friend of everyone. Um, so if you want to get some cool insight from somebody other than Joe, Shane, or I, because really we don't have much insight anymore, um, Dave will be there to give it to you with all of the spicy, spicy mwah, takes. Uh, you can find me on social media at DMARANG, at D-M-A-R-A-N-G. Uh, questions, comments, concerns, hatred, all that kind of stuff, continue sending it. Uh, we love talking about it everywhere. Uh, for Terrible and Biggs, I'm Danny Morang. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you guys next week. Bye.